What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Bear and Balance. I'm Jeff Burkus, a writer for Windy City Gridiron, and I'm joined by the editor of that fine website, Lester A. Wiltfong Jr. Lester, the Bears continue to score points and they continue to lose football games. How are you feeling after this latest loss? This is a rough one. I mean, it's like, I think part of it is the Justin Fields impending injury. You know, we haven't heard anything official from that yet, but that kind of, you know, really, really soured the taste in our mouths when the game ended there because we don't know what's going to happen with the future because we were enjoying some football where at least the offense was looking fun to watch because of so much good stuff from Justin Fields. But this game, it wasn't quite as explosive. Yeah, there were still some points there, 24 points. You know, but it wasn't quite the way the last few games were. The the run game wasn't, you know, as there were there were no records set this week. It was just like kind of like, come on, guys, you know, you got to give us a record at least happen if they're gonna lose, give us some fun. There was a record set. Oh, it's gonna be a bad one, isn't it? Well, Cordero Patterson extended uh, his yeah, his yeah, record true, true. in the record books. He's a former bear. Yeah. And it happened against the Bears. So I mean, there's something there. There's something for the record books there. Yes, uh, that was it was a frustrating game for me because I will admit to doing a little schedule peeping. And I, as I look at the schedule, the bears play the jets next. The jets have a good defense and they yeah. have a pretty good infrastructure. I think they're, they're playing okay football. I mean, they, they play pretty brutal against, against the Patriots, but that's a good defense. And, you know, they have some quarterback controversy. I mean, maybe they can take advantage of that, but I, I don't know. And they got the Packers. We've seen that movie, right? I mean, again, I think the Bears, the gap between the Bears and the Packers is not as big as what a lot of people wanted, wanted to think it was at the beginning of the year, and maybe they have a chance at that one. Then they play the Eagles. Then they play the Bills. Those games are not going to be fun for a lot of reasons. We're going to have to find an angle to get through those, or we're going to have to, I don't know, drink or something. So, you know, the next four games aren't going to be nearly as easy or winnable as this game in Atlanta was. I, I kind of wanted the Bears to, to show out there. They had turnover advantage. They had time of possession advantage. They had a lot of things going for them. A couple of things that did not go for them, and we will maybe get into some of those, I'm sure, throughout the episode. But we always start in the trenches because that's where football is played. Everything, everything else is just running around, you know? And so this year, our friends at Portillo's, they're sponsoring that. I'm back from this little trip that I was at hanging out with EJ and, and on the left coast and eating smoked salmon and all that. And I've got, I won't show the addresses. I've got a couple of envelopes ready to go um, that are going to be sent out tomorrow to our last two winners. Uh, so thank you guys for getting in your Portillo's trench tribute to us on Twitter, on YouTube, on email to ndcitygridiron at gmail.com, wherever you get your bear and balance, throw that in there. Let us know who your player of the game was this week. I believe it's my turn to go first. Yeah. Trench tribute to me this week. I'm going with Riley Reef. I actually didn't think it was particularly close. He looked pretty solid to me. Uh, I didn't see him 
really give up any pressure. There's there's one where a guy cut in front of his face and he kind of took it with it, but that looked like the blocking scheme where they just sort of all stepped to the left. Uh, and then that kind of fields stepped up and, and ran into the back of him. I don't really think that's on reef look pretty good in the run game. They, they definitely ran to his side and over, you know, right tackle. And, and they got some big gains. He, he had a nice block uh, at one point to spring a, a, an explosive run. And I thought overall he looked really solid. And so for me, I think there's a reason why they went to reef. And I think there's a reason why they, they are sticking with reef, but Borum kind of sit back in that swing role. I think that that makes a lot of sense to me. Riley reef for me, trench tribute this week. Who do you got? I like Reef. That's a big, that's a nice pick. I, I was close to going that way. It's just rough because, like, you, besides Reef, the one vet, I think a few other guys in that O line had some some rough games. I know Braxton Jones got called out quite a bit uh, on social media. With Braxton Jones, his thing is, I want to touch on real quick before I get into my guy. His he's a steady player until he's not, and his and his downs are really down. Like it looks really bad. Like it's like, it's, it's, but that's how most O-line is. You know, they're, they're unnoticed until they make something really bad. But with Jones as a rookie, his mistakes are pretty bad. Um, I tried looking at, at the defensive line and the defense played better this week, you know, but you know, I thought about going Justin Jones, but he had the, the flag early. Then I'm like, you know what? Let's just go back to an old reliable. Patrick scales. There he the is. Long snapper. <laughs> the, 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 such an, Outstanding, exactly. The celebration, it was just so joyful to see. Patrick Scales doing his thing there. It was, of course, on, on the, uh, the the DeAndre Houston Carson peanut punch. Jack Sambo recovered it. Patrick Scales knew it all along. He was up celebrating, hopping around. He was down there making a play. And, you know, it wasn't just that play. You know, the few other uh, punts that he had, that he that he, had, he was down there. He was down there making making plays. He was involved. He was He was engaged. But I had to give it to Patrick Seals just for that celebration alone. The, the celebration was elite. I actually had that as a potential candidate in a later category. I knew uh, it. I, I love I love the celebration. Do you remember the first season of All or Nothing? That was the uh, Cardinals season. Did you watch this on Amazon by any chance? I did not catch that one. Uh, so you, you might remember from the highlight, but there's this play where Fal- uh, Falcons, the, the Cardinals score – a uh, big touchdown, guys running down the sideline. And the backup quarterback, Carson Palmer was the uh, starter, and, and I believe it was Drew Stanton was the backup quarterback. And he's running down the sideline, and he's, like, whipping his oh, like, yeah, yeah, arm, yeah, like, yeah. right? Okay. And then, like, the guy kind of passes him, and he just does this, like, a little shimmy, and he's so excited. And I love that, right? It's just this, like, he's, you know, these are grown men. They're playing a game. It's a multi-billion dollar business, you know, so it's all that. But there's still some fun element to yes. it, right? And these guys get pumped up. You love to see that emotion. That's what triggered in my mind when I saw uh, Patrick Scales do that. I was like, oh, that's like that little, stand, that little shimmy. It was just great. He just popped up. He gave, you know, gave the sign. He helped the refs out to say, hey, the ball's going this way. Thought that was great. Um, absolutely. Great choice uh, for, for Trench Tribute. Um, I'm going to... I'm going to move on to tweet of the week. And for me, I am highlighting Courtney Cronin. So the new ESPN reporter this year, who I think has been doing a great job. Uh, she says, Matt Eberflus said, Justin Fields is day to day, but would not rule out the possibility of his injury being season ending. That's quite the discrepancy. And I wanted to bring this in because like, let's talk about the injury right up top. 
looked like he may have been having an issue with his shoulder. And that's that's the injury that I think that they're referring to. It also seemed like there may have been something going on in the legs. You know, someone some would say maybe the hamstring. You know, he was getting stretched out on the sideline. He's getting beat up. You can tell that there's some heavy legs here. You can tell that that shoulder was really hurting him. There was clearly it was distracting him in the last series. I mean, to to the point where I'm I'm not sure it was very valuable for him to be in there at that point because he was clearly hurting and, and, and favoring that. And so my question to you is, if Justin Fields is not 100%, would you sit him against the Jets, the Packers, you got a bye week, the Eagles, the Bills. Like, what sense does it make to put out a less than 100% Justin Fields if those are the teams that you're playing that have pretty good front sevens? Yeah, I mean, it's, it has to be considered, you know, but, man, if, if he's good to go, you got to put him out there. I mean, I think if he's not 100% this week, I think it might make sense to sit him. Maybe sit him through the bye, just kind of get that extra week of recovery, but you, know, you got to bring it back after that. I mean, there's just no point. You know, the offense is kind of conservative as it is. You know, maybe now what you do is you scale back some of the design quarterback runs and you go a little bit more run heavy with your with your tailbacks. Maybe get Kerry Blassett game the ball once in a while. You know, uh, work the quick game a little bit. You know, just kind of redo the game plan to take some of that stuff we saw them that they put in after that mini buy, which is more of the fields designed runs, maybe scale that back a little bit, keep him healthy. And you know what, in the long run, if they do that, it may be better for him because now it's going to have him force him to work more on, on the quick game. Something we haven't really seen the bears really do too much of, you know, slants, you know, the bubbles have always been part of what they do, but you know, I just think that you got to play him. I mean, those, those reps are so valuable for a young quarterback, but man, it's, it's, it's scary to think that, you know, if he's not 100%, you know, what would this offense be without him? So from an entertainment value standpoint, clearly we would like to see Justin yes. Fields out there. From a developmental standpoint, I think there's an argument. I think we may have seen what we could see out of Justin Fields and the surrounding cast. Maybe there's something else that you can get out there. I just, I think we may have just reached the point where, okay, we found the easy button we kept hitting it. Now we kind of broke the easy button. So do we roll it back out there with the broken easy button and try to run a different type of offense that maybe he's not the best at right now? Or do we kind of save that roll in later in the year or later in the off season and sort of restart with what we know now? I mean, he's put out enough tape at this point to feel pretty good about a season. I know there's I know there's a number of games left, right? I, I'm not I'm not trying to say there's, you know, that we're done here. There's six games left, but I think that there's an argument to be made, and I think I want to make it that if he is not hundred percent, I don't want him out there. And I know no one's hundred percent right now, so maybe yeah. I'm just arguing, you know, something that can't be, but I think if there's if he's really hurting, there is no no point in pushing him at this point. And 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 I, I really wouldn't put him out there against the Jets. I selfishly I want to see him against the Packers because that's the best chance to beat the Packers, and I want to beat the Packers. But it may be the most sense to at least take the next two weeks off, get that third week for a bye, um, and see him after the bye with the two Super Bowl contending teams that you're playing. 
Yeah, I think that may be the good plan. I mean, we saw a couple of years ago with uh, Mitch Trubisky. He had a shoulder dinged up, and they kind of sat him for a few weeks and came back. And, you know, it may have stolen some of his athleticism where he didn't want to run as much. You know, Justin Fields is obviously a different player, a, d- a different person. You know, we have to see how this affects him long term. But, I mean, it's it's something that's in the back of your mind. I mean, if you – if your shoulder, it's not a throwing shoulder, it's his left shoulder. Uh, but if it's something that's in the back of his mind where he doesn't want to injure that again, maybe it does change his running style. You know, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, it's a tough one, you know, but I think, like you said, the bye week might, week might make the most sense to kind of reevaluate him. But yeah, I guess, I guess you're right, though. I think we have kind of have seen what we're going to see out of Justin Fields. The, the pass pro overall is bad. Um, they've had to scheme around some stuff there, and you can't always scheme around issues you can't always roll them out you can't always do the boots you got to do something you know otherwise you're just you know there's no options you know so maybe we have seen enough out of justin fields this season to kind of shut him down for a few weeks and you know uh let him you know live to to fight another day so to speak your tweet this week so so last night i was kind of going through the the numbers to prep for my uh my my snap counts and stats article and i realized that bears defense had no sacks, just one quarterback hit and three tackles for loss. Uh, that's out of the front seven, mostly there, obviously. So Tom Fien at TFain21 tweeted, I want to be, be mad at Allen Williams, but they have no one on that side of the ball, it feels like, which is true. I mean, they lost Cleo Mack early before the season started. They traded Robert Quinn, traded Roquan Smith. Not the most talented group. So I wanted to ask you a question. This comes down to the X's and O's versus the Jimmy's and Joe's. And there are a lot of people on both sides of that spectrum here. I've always felt like, look, there's only so much a scheme can do. If you don't have the, the horses, you know, how mad can we be at Allen Williams? I know Coach Flues talked about he was going to spend more time on, on the defensive meeting rooms this last week. They have picked up some blitzing intensity the last few games. But, you know, there's only so much you can do if you don't have the guys there. So where do you fall on this? X's and O's or Jimmy's and Joe's? I'm a Jimmy's and Joe's guy. I think you're, you know, this this league is all professional football players. And so at some point there are some inches here and there with scheme and certainly good play callers and, you know, sniffing something out and seeing something on tape and all that stuff makes sense to me. But at the end of the day, you have to have the guys go make the play. And if you are mm-hmm. outmanned at every single level, then it's going to show up. And I was, when I was watching the defense, I was watching the defensive line trying to find a, Trench tribute because I'm sick of giving it to an offensive lineman every week. And I was struck by the fact that Justin Jones is the only player that you really feel good about on this defensive line right now. And he's to me, he's clearly the best player on that defensive line. I don't have, I don't actually think it's close. And if he's your fourth best defensive lineman, you're feeling pretty good. If he's your third best defensive lineman, you're okay. If he's your second best defensive lineman, you're probably not a very good front seven he's our best he's yeah. the chicago bears best defensive lineman and it's not particularly close and that's you know the, uh i've been saying trevis is it trevis it was trevis on sunday it was trevis yesterday okay i thought so, it was i thought it was trevis too but gibson yeah he got a, he got a lot of he got a lot of air time he's he's been very inconsistent he flashes every once in a while I've been very inconsistent i'm not gonna right much on dominique robinson he's he's a rookie he flashes okay but alkady muhammad has been a waste of snaps that's been a a very rough signing um armand watts is a rotational player nothing wrong with that but this is not like a guy that's like yep this is a 
big time starter, you know, rotational player, nice pickup. I, I just, who is it? Angelo Blackson, like he's, he's a, he's a guy, right? Like again, rotational player, nothing wrong with that. But these are the guys that you're like, well, is that the guy the second best defensive lineman on the team? Like that is a rough group of players to be having that particular conversation about. And so regardless of your scheme, you can't make magically make those guys better run defenders, better pass rushers, right? That it just doesn't happen. You can only, you can only cover up so many holes. And when your whole unit is full of guys that are, you know, maybe they'd be the 11th best guy or the 10th best guy on a lot of defenses. And you've got a lot of those guys. Well, what are you going to do? Right. We saw a great game from Jack Sanborn last week. Great game. He was put in a position to succeed and he did. Arthur Smith put him on a microscope a little bit, said, okay, let's see if you can chase down Tyler Algier. Let's see if you can chase down Cordell Patterson. Let's see what you can do against those guys. If I stress you with outside runs, he didn't really do it. Right. Because he can't like, that's not, that's not his game. He's a, he's more of a, a, a smart instinctive linebacker that's able to more, more so in the middle or fill a gap, but he's not going to beat you to the outside. So you have limitations with the physical skills of your players on the defense, particularly this front seven, that is going to limit whatever scheme you put them in. And so you're just going to have to continue to just kind of push buttons <laughs> to try try to make up for that. So, so that's where I'm at. I, I don't, I don't know what he can do. Yeah. I, I haven't seen the actual blitz percentage, but I, you can tell it's picked up these last few weeks and they've had to, I mean, they, they, you, you lose Robert Quinn who wasn't having the best year. I think he still only has one sack on the season, you know, Roquan Smith, He's gone, but you know he was an outstanding football player. Made plays. You know, you you have to do something to generate pressure. You literally have no pass rush. You're starting four rookies on the defensive side of the ball, and, and while you know Brisker and Gordon are are second round draft picks, are very talented football players, they're still prone to the occasional rookie mistake. They're still not playing as fast as they're going to play eventually once the instincts completely kick in and they know what they're doing. Jack Sanborn, I thought, like I said, was good two weeks ago. I think he had uh, nine tackles this last week. He was good. He was active, you know, but you could still tell he's still a rookie, still trying to come into his own here. And plus he's an undrafted free agent. You know, I mean, could it be a long-term fixture? Possibly. If the talent around him is better, you know, we'll find out more, you know, next next year when the offseason happens. But I I just can't bring myself to criticizing Alan Alan Williams at this point because he has nothing to work with. Uh, no, I mean, that's one of those things. I'm not trying to be hard on Jack Sanborn. I, yeah. I mean, I, we figured that's what was going to happen with Arthur Smith being a pretty good offensive mind. But again, this the, that's one of those conversations. If Jack Sanborn's your 10th or 11th best player on defense, you feel pretty good. Yeah. Where is he right now? I don't know. I haven't thought about it in those in those ways, but he might be fifth. And that's not good. Well, we don't want that, right? He's an undrafted free agent. The linebacker, the value position, all that kind of stuff. But still, that's not the best. That's not what you really want. All right, let's move on to stats. Caught up in a numbers game. Um, 12 for 114. 12 for 114. 12 for 114 is the differential of penalties and penalty yards for the Bears and their last two opponents. So in this game, the Bears were flagged seven times for 56 yards against only two times for 13 yards for the Falcons. Last week, Nine flags on the Bears for 86 yards against two for 15. That's 16 flags for the Bears, 142 yards of penalty yards against four for 28. That is a huge discrepancy. And 
I don't want to be the referee guy. I really don't. I yeah. hate this. <laughs> I don't think the Bears are less disciplined than the other teams. I don't think that there's a clear, like, oh, this is the Raiders from the 80s where they lead the league in penalties all the time because they're an undisciplined team. This doesn't seem like that at all. This seems like the Bears are getting everything. Everything that's on the field, they're getting called, and then a couple more. And then they're not throwing the flag on the other team on some pretty obvious situations. And I think it it it, it came up again in some pretty big spots with some potential late hits, two of them. One in the early third quarter, ten, ten, that's the one everybody's talking about, that double sack on fields uh, where he's down on a, on a knee and then he gets crushed. And then there was another one where he slid and he got hit in the head. That was in the, that was in the last drive, the fourth quarter. That, what are we doing? Like, why, at least protect number one. I mean, some of the other stuff, I hate it. It really it irritates me. The, the pass interference is not called the same way. You know, I'm not going to get into holding Twitter or anything like that. But let's at least protect number one. And let's call that both ways. That'd be great. Yeah, the quarterback spot. I mean, it's uh, it's it's been happening, you know, pretty much this whole season. You know, it's just uh, I think a lot of it is the refs look at him as, you know, he's I kind of related to how Shaquille O'Neal was officiated back when he played basketball. Just too big, too strong, hack-a-shack, you know. He would get hit all the time because he was too big, too strong. I I think they look at running quarterbacks a lot, and they feel, well, they're running quarterback. So they kind of, in their mind, officiate them differently when it's just not fair because Tyler Heineke from from, from Washington, you know, last week, a similar to play to one with Fields. I think it was Clay Harbor. Um, I think he tweeted out the side by side showing the hits. Similar play, same thing. One got called, one didn't. We saw in this game uh, a Bears player kind of touched the ankle of Marcus Mariota, and he got flagged for that. But then you got Justin Fields, kind of you know not 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 getting the call. And, and the Bears each week they send these 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 plays to the league office, you know, and you know occasionally you know we'll we'll find out through through social media through media members they'll they'll get the the word that yeah the league uh, agreed it was wrong you know and then the bears players are starting to get pissed off themselves i mean i think uh, it was brisker had a quote talk about he's he's they're getting sick and tired of their guy not getting the call and you know at some some point like i said we don't want to always just talk about the rest but when now the players are doing it the coaches are doing it it comes up every time in the press conference you know at some point you know what is it the squeaky wheel gets the grease Maybe you just got to keep talking, keep talking. And then maybe at some point the refs will be like, okay, we got to start calling these uh, a different way. You hope that this stuff evens out and you hope that maybe it evens out next year, right? Like where there's more calls that go the bears favor that, you know, and, and help decide these games. You know, we've, we've kind of written this year off in terms of win losses anyway. So, you know, again, maybe this is in the long run, not a big deal, but this is a concerning development for me that, we continue to have to talk about this. So many of these bad calls. And then now this is not only bad calls, but just lopsided. Like this was just absolutely lopsided. And for a team that is supposed to be a disciplined team, I, I guess I just, I don't see it. I don't, I don't see that this, the last two games, the bears were 12 additional penalties, 114 additional penalty yards worse than their opponents. Just ridiculous. But what did you come up with? Uh, for me, I got a number is number 15 this week, and that is the Bears total sacks on the season kind of ties into my my tweet that is ranked 31st in the entire NFL 
Only the Raiders are worse, but the Raiders have played in a one less game. Uh, they have 15 or 13 sacks, but at some point I'm sure that'll even out because the Bears have no one to get after the quarterback. At least the Raiders have Crosby, who's a, a pretty good uh, pass rusher. Um, just they don't have the guys. You know, They don't have no one to get after the quarterback. And I had a bonus number. That's 31. That's the number of quarterback hits the Bears have, and that is dead last in the NFL. So they're not getting sacks. They're not getting hits. Um, the Browns are next worst, and they have 40 quarterback hits. So we're talking, you know, 15 sacks, 31 quarterback hits from the Bears, mostly front uh, seven. It's just uh, awful. And then he, we, we talk about Roquan being gone. He had two and a half sacks. Those are gone now. Robert Quinn had a sack. That's gone now. Uh, the Bears' leading sacker this year is uh, safety, Saquon Brisker. <laughs> That's not good if your safety is leading your team in sacks. That's horrible. No, it's it's not good. <laughs> Um, a rookie safety, rookie safety. Yeah, that's that's sad. Why did you make a sad? I know. Well, I, I had the Patrick Scales on top there. Yeah. Nice, fun, excitement. So I'm like, well, I'm going to bring it down here in the middle, right before we go to break. So or the field report, which is going to be, oh, it's going to be a bad one too. So, oh man, this this middle part of the show here, it's rough, man. I don't know why you did yeah. that to us. That's those are bad. Those are bad yeah. numbers, and it, it reinforces what we were talking about earlier with the like the Jimmys and Joes stuff, like you just don't have the talent. You just don't have the talent of guys that can win up front. And when you don't have that, you're not going to create the pressures. You're not going to have the hits and you're not going to have the sacks. And that's really showing itself out. And it doesn't really matter how good your secondary is. If, if they're having to cover five seconds, every time there's a drop back. So uh, just the way it is, but let's move on to the fields report. Uh, 14 to 21 for 153, one touchdown, one interception, one missed long touchdown to darnell mooney oh man i'm still that sucks that one that one was rough 18 carries for 85 yards and a touchdown and took four sacks i don't know man like this the yards should have been more should have been there right especially when you hit mooney the over 200 you've got that last drive should have been extended with the with with the penalty you know maybe we see a little bit more here uh, bad throw at the end, but was it a bad throw or was it like he didn't see Montgomery kind of underneath Montgomery went up to elevated and got tipped. And I, I mean, the little jump pass hasn't really been the best option since Bronco Nagurski did it, you know, in the, like the 1930s. So Tim Tebow had some success with it for a little while there in the, in the pros. Eh, maybe not the pros. Yeah. This is more of a Florida thing, yeah. but maybe we don't do the jump pass as much, but again, uh, I don't want to be too picky on just what the one, the one interception, but probably got run too much in this game. I mean, again, yes. the easy button got hit a little bit too often. And at the end there, I don't know what the heck was happening where clearly he wasn't feeling right. He did not look at all like normal Justin Fields when he was uh, running the ball there in that last drive, just looked pretty sad. Uh, a little bit of like, he was supposed to hand it off to Montgomery on one of those, but then just didn't. So I, I don't know what's happening you know, the injury distracted what it was, uh, but just overall, it looked like we were, you know, seeing some pretty good play out of fields early. And then it just really tailed off there at the end. His second to last drive, he was really good. Like six of six, six of seven. You know, he, he was, he was moving his guys around. He was scrambling, making plays. He had Montgomery down the sideline that a, a play that he extended. Oh, that was a sweet throw. He had the uh, uh, equanimous St. Brown. He kind of waited and he, he had hit, it was a big scramble drill. So the second to last drive, 
he was really clicking as a passer. And I'm like, oh man, he's he's showing some of the some of the skills he has here. I was excited to see him get the ball back. And then of course things kind of went weird there with the with the plays. And you know, you you talked about that interception. And you know, for our our, our listeners and our viewers who aren't on on Twitter, you know, this was the talk of Twitter a lot today. Was it kind of showed, you know, the, the screenshots and in the video, it did look like he may have been thrown to Darno Mooney, who was coming right to left as opposed to Montgomery coming the other direction. And, you know, it was a, just an unfortunate play. You know, Fields did say the pass was going to Montgomery. Maybe Fields is kind of, you know, sticking up for his guy there. Um, but, you know, either way, um, it, it, the pick happened. You know, it is it is what it is. You know, Mooney would have uh, – he was there. I mean, he, he was open for the, for the play. He beat his guy. Just a, a tough break. We, t- we talked about. You know, a game of inches. You know, if 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 he does not tip that ball, now that goes to Mooney. Mooney catches it. Who knows what's happening here? So, a lot of weird things this season for the Bears. They're close. You know, just not close enough. Yeah, it's. I mean, maybe he is covered for for Monty. Maybe that's where he threw the ball. But it sure looked like he was probably going to Montgomery, uh, going to Mooney a little bit further on. But yeah, I mean, if you're Montgomery, you don't know that, and you're going to make the play. I, I assume there's a little bit of a scramble drill at that point, And that's why they were kind of in the same space. Otherwise you wouldn't design it like that. Cause you wouldn't want that confusion, but that, that was, it was just well, a it could have mesh concept. They wanted the cross to kind of, you know, maybe pick off the guy, but just the timing of it. I don't think it was a best. mesh play though. Right. No, I feel I mean, like a little scramble drill cross where these kind of, you know, yeah. kind of crossing a few yards behind. I don't know. Just one of those things where they wanted to get a guy open and, just the timing of it. Again, we've seen it all year. The timing is a little off here, a little off there. Maybe next year that's a play that goes for a big gainer for the Bears. Yeah, I, I think overall, again, we're not sure what the health of that hamstrings or shoulder or whatever else might be hurting Justin Fields is at that point. Don't know how many more games. If he'll miss any time or if he does, like how long that'll be. Again, Matty Fool says day-to-day might miss the whole year. Right. Like that's pretty much puts everything on the table. Uh, so if this is the last, just hypothetically, if this is the last we see of Justin Fields this year or maybe for a while, I think that one of the things, like you said, the, that second to last drive looked great. There were times that, that that throw down the, down the, down the field to, to Montgomery was a thing of beauty. That's going to be on yeah. the highlight reel for a while. That was a great throw. I think we need to respect the fact that the Falcons played a pretty good defensive football game. They did. Yeah. Okay. And that they came out and said, okay, this is what, you know, Dean P has been around the league for a long time. They're a defensive coordinator, not a talented unit. Let's, I mean, let's, let's put that out there. This is not a talented Falcons de- defense. There's a couple players that are pretty good. And I think, didn't they lose AJ Terrell at some point in that game? Um, so I'm not even sure he was out there the whole game and he's probably their second best defender. So see, beyond Grady Jarrett, I don't think anybody, any, a lot of bears fans can probably name three Falcons defenders, right? Like before that game for sure. And it's just not, it's not a, not a talented unit. They're very similar to the bears in that way is that there's the bears are honestly more talented than the Falcons defense in my opinion. And the scheme really did help corral Justin Fields, particularly in the run game. And then they got after him um, pretty well and, and took advantage of, of an uneven pass pro from the offensive line. And so once that happens, 
once the defensive coordinator puts out a blueprint for how you slow down this scheme, this whatever this attack is, you go up against a more talented unit, which the Jets are. Yeah. Then the offensive court, it's on the offensive coordinator then to like start throwing out the counters and start shifting. This this league ch- overturns regularly, and you have to keep kind of shifting and, and adapting as you as you move along in the season. So if it's Trevor Simeon for a while, we will see a different offense because Trevor Simeon can't run this offense that Justin Fields runs. But if if Fields is on it is takes the field in New Jersey against the Jets, then we need to see something from Luke Getze. We need to see that next step in the evolution. Agreed. You know, he uh it's just rough the way the whole thing kind of played out there. You know, uh, when the game ended, you know, besides getting extras in his shoulder, he had an IV. He was some, doing some cramping. You talk about his hamstrings. You saw him at the sideline getting worked on quite a bit. You know, it was just a uh, – he seemed really labored the whole the whole game. You know, it just – he talked about last week how his legs were tired, you know, and, you know, he'd been – they're running him a lot. And one thing the Falcons did, I noticed, is they were really disciplined in, the, in their pass rush. They were making sure they were contained. You know, they did not overpenetrate. It was, uh, it was like you said, it was a really smart game plan from uh, from the Falcons. And like we always say, those guys are paid to make plays too. And, you know, they, they came up big when they had to. All right, Lester, let's take a quick break. After the break, we're going to get into everybody's favorite segment, the three bears. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Lester, let's get into the three bears. Hot bowl of porridge, cold bowl of porridge, and just right. Hot bowl of porridge this week to me, for me, goes to Cole Komet's catch. (laughs) What happened? What happened there? Like, just uh, he just reaches out with one hand, stabs it, pulls it down, gets hit as as he's, you know, he, he has it, split second, gets hit maintains possession it goes i mean what who is this guy who the heck is cole Komet? i had the same thing my my hot cole Komet, that catch i oh, mean it was just you know the, the the one-handed stab was great right but you talked about it he got hit as he was making the catch so maybe he bobbles that in the years past you know um just a great catch three three reception 35 yards not the biggest game for Komet, but you know, if, if he's he's showing the rapport with Justin Fields now, you know, that this whole season, it started a little slow, but now we're kind of seeing the trust. We're seeing him go to him when, when he's when he's there. We're seeing him go to him when he's not completely open. And and why why wouldn't you? I mean, Cole Komet is a big, big target. 
You know, he has a big catch radius. He's strong. Maybe he's learning how to use his body a little better to box out defenders. You know, we, we've talked about Cole Komet this whole season. He was drafted at 21 years old. You know, he's 23 years old. He's still one of the younger players on the Bears roster. There are rookies on this team older than Cole Komet is. And Cole Komet's a third-year pro, okay? He is – his blocking is, is still a work in progress. He, I think he's improved there. You know, he, he's a – He's a big target for this offense. He's never going to be Travis Kelsey. He's never going to be Gronk. This is what a lot of fans thought of when, when they seen him drafted. And look, that's not who he is. The comp a lot of people made was, was Cal Rudolph. You know, he made a couple of Pro Bowls in his time. He, he became a pretty good blocker, uh, a nice target in the red zone. You know, if that's who he ends up, that is a, not a bad draft pick. Second round pick, regardless what you're thinking of, of the whole thing there. Oh, they should have had him, should have had him. That's in the past, you know. Who is he now? He's competent. He's he's productive. He is becoming, can I say he's becoming a go-to guy for Justin Fields? He seems to be like he is that because, let's be honest, there's not a lot of other go-to guys on the, on the, on the team. But, you know, if Cole Komet's going to be a reliable guy there, that's a win. Yeah, as much as I, you know, as much as we both loved Darnell Mooney coming into the year, it sure looks like Cole Komet is the number one option for for Justin Fields when he needs a play, right? Um, at least lately. And, you know, we we came into the year, we, we came out of camp being camp, like, yeah. oh, man, Cole Komet's going to have a year. And, you know, we got some flack from that from some people that we know and, you know, and some some <laughs> off-the-record chat stuff. Like, you guys are crazy. And I'm like, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Like, they're, they're, they're really going to feature this guy. And then it was nothing. I mean the the such a slow sep- start. September was so slow and nothing nothing seemed to make sense. Just you know, he wasn't getting open, he wasn't getting a lot of targets, and it was like, well, I feel dumb. I feel dumb because I saw this, I I spoke it out loud, and then what happens? Nothing, right? So he's like, well, okay, maybe we were wrong, and we we said that, and like, okay, maybe, maybe this didn't wasn't really happening. We we talked about bears over beers, EJ really eviscerated him you know just kind it was of deserved after that game you know for sure and so now you have you know flash forward this is why you don't close books on people right and he's really coming into his own definitely looks like a guy that you're going to probably want to pay some money to stick around because he's one of the players that have proven that he can play professional football on this team so you probably want him here and you certainly want him here if, if he's got a good rapport with Justin Fields. So, uh, yeah, I think that the catch it's, I mean, right now, I mean, there's some pretty good highlights so far this year. Let's not, let's not lie to ourselves. There's, there's a couple good catches. There's some amazing runs. Like he's not the only one, but it's going on the highlight reel. Like we make a highlight reel at the end of the year. It's this is on it. Yeah, for sure. The the 2022 bears featuring Cole Komet. <laughs> All right, let's flip it around. Let's talk about the cold bowl. So um, I, I can go a few different places. Um, I, uh, I I need to, I need to give it to Luke Ketsy here. Yes. Uh, we're right here. Okay. We're on the same page. Yeah. Uh, this is, uh, this is hitting the easy button too much and breaking it. Uh, yep. you, you can't do it. You, you gotta, you gotta have more in store. You have to have, you know, Hey, I found my fastball. Fastball's working. Great. Everybody's teeing off on your fastball. Throw the slider. Throw a curveball. Yeah. Like you gotta have a counter off of this thing. And you just you can't just keep going back to it. And particularly at the end there, again, I don't know what happened, but it looked like you were putting your your quarterback in harm's way at the end when he wasn't 100 percent That was just not 
really, you know, the, the defense was, well, it was supposed to be a handoff to Montgomery on second and nine yeah. in just less nice. than two minutes <laughs> left in the game trailing. Like that's not a very good defense. Like I, I don't want to hear that either. So Getsy has had, he's been on a heater, right? Like he, he's, he's had a really nice run here. It seemed maybe too convenient to call him out when, when things break down here. But this is, this is a guy that, you know, Bears fans started to get worried that Luke Getze is going to have a head coaching job next year. And right. Like he's going to be gone. And you see all these like funny tweets about how he hates puppies and all this kind of stuff. Right. Just to throw people off of hiring him away. He's going to have some ups and downs. I understand that, but this was a down for me. This was not having that counter in your back pocket and pulling it out. He needed to do that this game, this week. First and 20 runs. I've seen enough of it. Second and 10 runs. I've seen enough of it. I understand you can't always do the same thing, but I saw a stat a couple weeks ago and, you know, the bears were among the league leaders in second and 10 runs. And I can't imagine that's changed much, you know, in the last two, two games, um, he gets a little conservative eight and a half. Uh, there was a third and I forget what it was, but you know, they were trying to drive down for the field goal and I understand, Hey, you're in field goal range. Let's not do nothing stupid. And they ran a Justin field sweep around the edge. Uh, okay. Why not roll them out? Give them a nice one, two read. And if it's not there, you know, then, then you run, you know, if something's there, you know, now you're cooking, you have a chance for a touchdown instead of a field goal. He gets a little too conservative. And now look, part of this could be, Matt Eberflus in his ear. Hey, let's be smart. Let's be safe. Let's, you know, let's, let's make sure we get three out of this. That's possible. And, but, but still you talked about the end of the game sequence, you know, the excuse that, Oh, it was supposed to be a handoff to Montgomery on second and nine with a minute and 42 seconds left. That's not the, that's not what you think it's going to be. That's, that's, that's to me, I tweeted out that that's, that's a dumber play call than the draw, you know, like, why would you do that? You know, I mean, it's like you have Justin Fields. I talked about it. The drive prior, he was on fire, looking good. He was orchestrating his offense. So then you go out and you call those two run plays to start off the sequence. Not, not good play calling. It was like, you know, you got, you were got accused of of stealing a candy bar from from a gas station and you're like i wasn't stealing the candy bar i was stealing the bag of chips and it's like <laughs> no it's just as bad yeah. what are you doing like that is not what we're talking about god it's just so rough that is not a defense uh all right just right i assume that you, we're, we're on the same page with, with so far yeah okay let's see if we can go three for three um i i had some options um and so i'm gonna i'm gonna go with this one because i feel like this is the right one for me today but there's i had three written down just in case i'm gonna go with equinemius st brown okay so he had two very nice catches and then um was able to power past the first down marker to extend drives they were both like he had to make a play after he caught the ball and knew where the first down marker was and was able to, to pick it up. It's it's he, again, he is not the top option in this, in this passing tree, but every once in a while they go to him. Yes. He had the big drop in a, in a game, you know, earlier this year, I understand that, but this is what you expect out of a veteran player. He understands the system. He's, he's playing. He's, I think he's a pretty smart football player, yeah. right? And and he is able to get those two first downs, um, extend drives. I was really impressed with both plays. And you get two plays from a guy like that. 
that's that's exactly what you expect. That's exactly what you want out of a guy like ESB. So I wanted to call him out and give him a kudos. Um, he gets my just right this week. He was also blocking pretty good again this week. Um, I think he was the he was the push guy on uh, Justin Fields' quarterback sneak there yep. as well. So he knows his role in the offense, and you know I think he's a guy that. Again, he's your starting X. I think I think there's a good chance he's back again next year, but he'll be back in a reserve role, which I'm fine with. Like you said, he's a smart football player. He is a good blocker. He understands what he's supposed to do out there. He's not going to hurt you much. He's not going to make make usually make big plays, you know. But you know, for who he is, I, I like that. That's a good just right for me. I'm going to go uh, David Montgomery. Okay, that was my other one. 17 runs, 67 yards, he had a touchdown. Uh, ran hard, you know. He he's does he dance a little too much? Probably. You know, he doesn't hit the hole quite as hard as Herbert, but Khalil Herbert is really, really good. I mean, he, he understands where the crease is. He knows he has to squirt through there as quick as possible. That's who he is as a runner. Montgomery is more of a run-through-you kind of guy, and he had a lot of yards after contact this week. He had three catches, 54 yards. Now, he blocked well in the passing game. He blocked well as a lead blocker for Justin Fields in a run game, too, so we saw the overall total package of David Montgomery this week. I think it's too many carries or, or, or too many, too many snaps for him. But with Herbert gone, what are you going to go to Tristan Ebner? Uh, ah. No, I'm not no. going to go to Tristan Ebner. <laughs> exactly. I'm going to run David Montgomery yes. as much as possible, or I'm going to find somebody else. Ebner is not ready for this. No, That's very not. clear. Ebner. Uh, no, I'm a, I'm a no on Tristan Ebner until he figures out how to run North South. But I, I also want to respect well, one. He had the, the catch down the sideline. We, we mentioned it. Like, he had to pile that on Monty as well. Great catch um, out of the backfield on a little scramble. Good adjustment on his part. Yes. Uh, also, elite uh, little hand motions from from uh, Montgomery this week. He did a little shimmy once, and okay. then he got up one time and he did a little like you know, like he's running in place, like, cause he, he didn't get very much on that run, but he like kept breaking tackles and kind of working his way laterally and like, you know, gaining inches, inches, inches when he got up and did one of these. And then when he got up from that, uh, after he caught that ball, he like, I don't know, is he like playing a piano? Like, what was he doing? I got to figure this out. But he's he fired just, up though. Yeah. He just had it all the whole game. He was just, every time they show him, he was doing something else. Uh, pretty exciting. What, uh, for, for David Montgomery again, I like him. I like yes. the player. So I like running backs though. I'm, I'm, I'm a sucker. You know, you, you want to, you want to talk corners and safeties and running backs. I love, I love those guys. I, I, I love watching them play. So good stuff. Uh, let's see what else we got. Is that it? We got the show. Is that we all wrapped up? That's it. We, we, we got through it in a nice crisp 50 uh, ish minutes. Well, I'm, I'm excited about being back in home turf I think the Bears are as well going to be mostly home for the rest of the year. I think you had a tweet out there. Like they've got this road game coming up. They've got one more that they're going to Detroit. Detroit. And yeah. then otherwise they're at home. All home. Yeah. So Bills, Eagles, Vikings, Packers. Yep. Plus the bye, all home. So four of their next six or four of the last six are, are going to be at home. home so, so that's good. I'm going to be at home. I don't know the last time I'm next time I'm going to travel, but it's, it's not going to be the rest of the football season. So, the less than stellar audio quality <laughs> should be a thing of the past. Uh, uh, thanks for sticking with me through that. And I think, you it's know, weird when it's weird when you, when your display is less than my display, which is one of the worst probably podcast displays in all of Bears. Uh, 
podcasting. Yeah, we need to up your game. I'm, I'm not going to lie. We're going to have a team <laughs> meeting soon, and I'm going to have an intervention, and I am going to basically tell all of you, like, time to step it up, guys. What like, I'm going to have to do is I'm going to have to publicly shame my wife here because she is more of the decorator of, of the household. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to, you know, call her out, my wife, for not us uh, stepping it up here and do I'm you saying this so loud. To put on your wall. Do you know how much stuff I, I have, have? Stuff I have. Stuff put it on, up. I have. I do have stuff, but there's just this is nowhere. It's not a good spot. Is here, that but, like a certificate for a for a Seiko watch? Like what is that? That is a uh, my wife's witch dungeon. Um, I don't know. It's from Salem, Massachusetts. I'm not even sure what that is. Okay. And this is a picture was painted by someone. That looks like it's probably an attractive uh, picture, but we can't really see it. We see we see curtains. We we need we need something better. Is this your final office space? Uh, sorry, this is not this is not good podcast material. We should get out of here. Let's get out of here. This Let's is get for out of here. We'll stick around for YouTube. Yeah. Um, it's a it's holiday week. I'll give my thank you for all of you that are listening to our stuff and sticking with us. We know that this year is not the easiest, but we hope that um, you're, you're sticking with us and and you're getting something out of it because I, I think that it's, it's fun, but thank each and every one of you for, for being with us and for listening, for watching us, all that stuff. I hope that you have a nice holiday, whatever that means to you. If that's just football, if it's family, if it's friends, if it's Turkey, if it's Tofurky, I don't care. Like, I hope your holiday is good and it treats you well. Um, and thanks for allowing us uh, into your lives a little bit. Are you back for uh, Bears Over Beers or are you guys taking the holiday? Good question. I think we're on, but um, I'll need okay. to confirm. Cool. Yeah, we'll have some changes on the podcast channel. We're still kind of working through some stuff. I know Mason will, will be back with a special Justin Fields update. Kind of go in depth on what the shoulder injury kind of means. That's coming up. I know Taylor and Dylan are doing a special early edition of Making Monsters coming up. I may be guesting on Bears Banter with Bill Zimmerman this week, so that should be fun to do. I haven't been on his show in, in since last season, I don't think so. And then I'll do a two-for-match conversation, my my usual Friday, but I may kind of knock it out early uh, because of uh, once the report is done, I'm off that day. I may just knock it out real quick. So we'll see. We'll kind of juggle stuff, but the, the content will be there. We're not going anywhere. We're not going anywhere. Thanks for sticking with us. We'll see you next week after the holiday. Until then, bear down. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.